This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 374. Hello and welcome to the show. Great to have your company once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au and we'd love for you to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as promised, we said we would read out some five-star reviews and one from G2005F. Love this podcast. One of my favorites. Stephen has a great way of explaining tech and his reviews are in-depth and informative. Keep up the great work, Stephen. Thank you very much, G2005F. You leave us a five-star review, we're going to read it out right here on the show as well. On this week's show, Apple has released some new privacy features to protect customers. Huawei has announced the release date and price of its new Mate 30 Pro flagship smartphone, but will anyone buy it? And Hisense releases a new 85-inch smart TV. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the TCL Plex smartphone, we're going to also take a listen to the Sennheiser Ambio soundbar, and we'll also check out the Google Nest Hub smart display, and we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. According to... Apple CEO Tim Cook, privacy is a fundamental human right. That's what he said recently. So it's no wonder that Apple has really doubled down on its privacy features, including some new features that uh, enhance our security, customer security for anyone using Apple's devices and services. Apple has been on the forefront of, of, of this whole uh, whole talk about privacy and I think that they're one of the most transparent companies when it comes to expressing how they uh, handle your information and privacy and how their your ID isn't isn't linked to the company and, and whatever data that you choose to share uh, all these new features and and ways of protecting yourself and of, of you knowing exactly what's going on with all your information Apple has launched a series of white papers which outline all these new features. So when it comes to doing things like connecting with third-party apps, location services, your photos, browsing the web, uh, the, these have all been updated now. And the recent system updates for iOS 13, iPadOS 13, macOS Catalina, and all the rest, these all have new and enhanced privacy and security features. Apple has, in fact, launched a new section of its website detailing exactly how your privacy is protected. Uh, let's start off with location services. Now, location, you might think, what, what's, how's that going to affect my privacy? But you, you, you'll be surprised to know that uh, apps that can track your location and where you go, where you spend your money, all these sorts of things uh, can be used to build a profile against you. So uh, Apple has come up with a way for any app including third-party apps, by the way, so not, not only Apple apps, but third-party apps that are using your location every single time you'll be warned. And when you're using your iPhone, you've probably noticed this now since you've updated to iOS 13, that a little window pops up to say, do you want to allow this app to track your location? Uh, and that gives you the choices of uh, while using, allow once or don't allow. So you, you, can, you can now control that right off the home screen and even if you do grant the access to that particular app, you can always go back and turn it off in the settings. So a, a feature called significant locations lets Apple's devices learn places that are important to you to provide related features and information, but all of it is processed on the device. So nothing goes up to Apple. 
that data is also fully encrypted on your device and never shared by third parties and cannot be read by Apple. Unlike Google that track you anywhere you go, whatever you're doing, uh, if you're using an Android device at harvests, I understand there was a study done up to 10 times more data is harvested from a user from an Android device than it does with an iPhone. Moving on, this is an, uh, probably one of the most important and new features as well. It's called Sign In with Apple. Now, how many times have you downloaded an app and it has asked you to create an account? And you can sign in with Facebook. And if you do that, it's going to get all your Facebook info. Or the other alternative is to sign in with an email. And if you do that, you're, you're handing over your email address and a password and potential for that information to be sold to a third party or in some cases if that company's data is breached then your data is unprotected it goes out there it can be seen by other people now with this new feature called sign in with apple what it allows you to do is to sign in but to hide your email so what it does it creates a an, a random email address so you can still interact with that app and receive all the communication, but it is, everything is forwarded through this random address because you signed in with Apple. So now it's a one-tap sign-in process without you having to share your information and without with the worry that, that that info may be compromised or, worse still, supplied to a third party. A lot of people wonder, how did I get this? I'm, I'm getting this email and that they know me, my name and my address, and that, that's how it happens. If, if you, the, these, these information that you share is sold to third parties. It's a, it's a business out there. So now with signing with Apple, uh, no, no worries about that anymore, and when you want to just kill, cancel that account, you don't have to worry that they're still going to have your email address in their archive somewhere. You, you can just cut it off and your email has been hidden the whole time. How about photos? A lot of people think, well, What's the security risk with a photo? Well, there's a surprising that uh, there's a lot of information attached to your photo, uh, a lot, lot of info, metadata, location data on your photograph. And you've, you've probably hit in your smartphone the option for location to be captured whenever an image is taken. So that way you can map where the photo was, make it searchable. Uh, it's a very popular feature. But did you know that when you share images that that metadata and location data often goes with it. Uh, so now with the new features on the iPhone and iPad and all these other devices from Apple, it's now possible to remove the location of the photo or video that you're sharing. And you can choose whether you want to include all of the photo's metadata. Other metadata is uh, what phone the, the, the picture was taken by, what time and all this sort of stuff. All of that can be hidden as well. Now, moving on to the browser, Safari has designed the browser. Uh, Apple has designed the Safari browser to protect your privacy uh, because it's, it's used in that place where your security and privacy is at the most risk, and that's the internet. Uh, so one of the new features is intelligent tracking prevention. And what this does, it minimizes the amount of data that is collected and stored and shared to third parties. Now, you've probably done this. You've, you've searched for something, and you say, then go to Facebook or Instagram or other sites, and then suddenly you're seeing ads for that thing that you search for. For example, you might be looking to buy uh, a new car, and you've researched, uh, you know, Holden Commodore, whatever you've researched, and then these little cookies follow you around, and now suddenly on your on your Facebook page, there are these little ads for cars and, and for Holden. And so they're the little cookies that follow you around. But this new Safari tracking, the intelligent tracking prevention can can block that cookie-based tracking. The other thing it can do, and this is another, uh, another shifty little method that advertisers have, it's called fingerprinting. And what the browser can now prevent this because what, what some sites do they create an online fingerprint so they can track what device you're using, your browser's configuration, your plug-in, and all of that information can identify you. 
So there's only so many people with a combination of that those that configuration of browser and all that sort of stuff. So that's called fingerprinting. It, it, it is used to ID you. So, okay, here's this person who likes Star Wars, South Sydney, and, and Teslas. He, he's a guy that he uses a Safari browser, et cetera, et cetera, and they've fingerprinted you through the sort of browser you use, your configuration, your plugins, and all of those little things. So Safari can prevent that as well. Now, moving on to Siri. Now, there's been uh, a lot of concern from customers thinking, well, is this thing listening to me all the time? Is it recording me all the time? Is it sending on all these things? Well, in for Google and Amazon and all these other companies, yes, it's always listening. Yes, it is taking some of those those recordings or, or files of your of your transcripts and examining them for consistency to improve the service. Siri does the same thing. So Siri, if you allow it, will can can take your voice and Apple will be able to hear it and improve their service. But the difference here is that your Apple ID is never associated with the information that you chose to share. So there's no risk that, oh, hang on, listen to Stephen Fennec talking about Star Wars again. What a, what a goose. So there's no risk of that happening because it'll just be a random person talking about Star Wars and no one will know it's me. Now, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, you can just say no and nothing will be shared. The reason that it is that they ask you to share it is so that it can improve their service, their response time, all of these things. They're constantly honing these services. So don't think they're building a, an audio dossier of you. They're not. It's not associated with your ID, but you do have the choice of not sharing anything at all if that makes you feel a bit more comfortable. Now, there's another feature called Find My. Now, this was introduced at the Worldwide Developers Conference where we already know about Find My iPhone, Find My Phone, and Find My Friends. This is a combination of the two. So this feature allows you to locate devices even if they are not online. So say, for example, I left my MacBook Pro somewhere, now, using Find My, it can send out Bluetooth signals which can be detected by nearby Apple devices. So say my, my MacBook Pro is in an office and there are people who are surrounding it with iPhones. I just happen to be sitting there with an iPhone. Find My has the ability to send out Bluetooth signals that, through, that anonymously through these devices, they don't even know it's happening, can locate my device and... It'll send me a signal, say, oh, hang on, your MacBook Pro has been found in this such and such a place through the piggybacking all these other Apple devices. And that information is encrypted and can only be read by by me, so by the user. Apple will never know the location of where your, your product is or the identity of, the, of whoever owns that product anyway. So none of that's shared. So you get the benefits of the service, the Bluetooth search, but Apple will never know that it's yours, and only you will ever know the location. Plenty of things to get through there. It, it is important, I think, privacy. We need to take it seriously. Security is a is a serious matter. And Apple, I think, has done the right thing by making uh, being proactive and, and transparent in all of these new features. I think uh, customers at the end of the day will appreciate the fact that they're that Apple's got their back. That they're not they're not listening in and and l- l- harvesting information and associating it with IDs. That's not what they're doing. They've they've publicly said that that's not what they do. So your privacy is in safe hands. If you want to read more about that story, all of those new privacy features, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, Huawei has just announced the pricing and release date for the Mate 30 Pro. Now, this was announced a few months ago. There was a launch, I think, back in September and or might have been late August. And they announced the Mate 30 Pro, which uh, has four cameras. It's got a Leica four-camera system. Very impressive screen. It's got these curved edges on the screen. It looks like an edge-to-edge, ultra-curved screen. Really, really nice looking. Little notch at the top for the front cameras. It's got two 40-megapixel cameras in that four-camera system. A 4,500 milliamp-hour battery as well. So 
the hardware on this thing are pretty impressive. It's also going to be running the EMUI 10 user interface. Now for the bad news, though. The product, I'll tell you, the, the pricing is going to be 1599 bucks. so flagship price here. Getting on sale in Australia on November the 21st. Now, the bad news is that this will be the first new flagship product by Huawei that's going to be affected by the US trade black ban. So this means this has several effects on this device, a few repercussions here. Number one, it won't have the latest version of Android. It won't have Android 10 Pi, whatever it's called. It will only have an open source version of the Android operating system. It also won't have, there will be no Google Play Store. So not every app that's available to you, to regular customers or Android customers, are going to be available to the users of the Mate 30 Pro. So instead, though, Huawei has their own app gallery, which has more than 45,000 apps in it, apparently. So all the major apps will be there, like your Facebooks, Instagrams, Twitters, and all your major apps. But obviously, 45,000 is a lot less than several million because that's how many is in the Google Play Store. Now, Huawei have been in touch and said that, look, when customers buy this phone, if they buy this phone, the hardware is, uh, is without dispute. It's actually been voted the best mobile camera available. The Mate 30 Pro hasn't even been launched yet. DxO Mark has said already it is the best camera on a smartphone. That is not in dispute. So hardware-wise, and the screen looks gorgeous. It's a beautiful designed phone. The hardware is amazing. But in this instance, you're not going to get the latest version of Android. Who knows what security updates you're going to get. That, Huawei says you will get it. You won't have any Google apps like Google Play Store. You won't have, you won't have Google Maps. Gmail, all this bread and butter for Android users, and a lot of iPhone users use Gmail and those other apps. Uh, and this, I think, is going to seriously impact on the appeal of this product. Now, Huawei says that it's it's possible to launch an APK mirror, which is an Android download site, so that you still will be able to download the majority of Android apps. So it's kind of like mirroring the Google Play Store so that you can download, almost like sideloading the apps for the device. So I'm not sure whether customers who buy this device will be bothered to do that, will know how to do that. Will, do, will they want to do that? I'm not sure. But for those who want to invest in a device that just is the world's best smartphone camera, got a battery that'll last for two days, has uh, amazing hardware, has a really beautiful display, has a, a battery that'll last for forever. I think I've said that already. But the serious lack of having the updated Google Android operating system and all these other little things, uh, we don't know whether people are going to go for it. And, and I, for one, I've already got the device. I've, I've received it and I'm going to review it. But I'm going to review it from a, a perspective of Okay, I'm an Android customer. I want Android. I want to make this like as much an Android experience as I can, and I'm going to see how I'm going to go. Now, the device, as I said, is $1,599, and it's going to be available from uh, the Huawei Authorized Experience Store in Chatswood, Mobile City, and Happy Tell stores. So you can see the conspicuous by their absence are the telcos in this picture because none of them want to risk selling this to customers and the repercussions that, that it doesn't meet their their expectations in terms of the software and the whole experience. Now I've set up the phone, I'm in the midst of setting up the phone and it is really strange not signing in with a with a Google uh, a Google email address. Uh, in this instance, you have to sign in with a Huawei ID. You've got to create a Huawei ID and go from there. So it's going to be interesting to see how I, what, what sort of how I can get my emails on there, what apps I'll be able to run on there. But I will talk about all of that in my review, which will be, be out in the next week or two. So uh, Huawei, terrific device. Hardware specs uh, are very, very impressive. 
$15.99 is the price. November 21 is the release date. And we'll we'll see whether people are going to go for it and how easy it is to get around these obvious limitations that have been put on it because of our, our uh, of the US black ban on the company. If you want to see this in person, uh, on Tech Guide at least, you want to take a look at the Mate 30 Pro. It is very impressive. Uh, there's pictures of it in my hand. If you want to check that out at techguide.com.au. Well, one of my favourite sayings is go big or go home. And that well and truly applies when you're talking about televisions in the Australian market. We have a growing appetite for even larger televisions. In fact, most of the emails I get from readers and listeners who want some advice on what sort of TV they should buy, most are specifying at least 75 inches in size. So 65 is the kind of the old entry point or average size screen. That's now, I think, the starting off, the the jumping off point where we're going for bigger. We want bigger. We want better. And Hisense is meeting that demand by releasing in a new 85-inch Series 7 ULED Smart TV that has uh, the size, of course, that people want. It's also ULED, which is their own proprietary technology. It includes Dolby Vision HDR, high dynamic range, wide colour gamut, and the ability to display more than 1 billion colours. So this is no slouch. It also has 200 hertz smooth motion rate, which is music to your ears if you're into action movies and sport, an 85-inch TV watching sport. What more can you want? Or an 85-inch TV watching a movie. It's awesome. So Hisense has done a great job here. On the audio side, they've also got Dolby Atmos for that three-dimensional sound, as well as their very latest proprietary operating system, the Vida U 3.0, which has shortcuts to all your favourite apps like Netflix and YouTube and Prime and all these other ones. There's also uh, Alexa and Google Assistant on board, so you can take control uh, with your voice. The TV also has Bluetooth on board, so you can connect your headphones or speakers wirelessly. So it's really ticked all the boxes. So size, features, quality, it's doing pretty good. Now, how much would you would you guess expect to pay for a TV of this size? It's $4,299, which is actually not bad value when you think about it. It is, uh, it is available now. Uh, it's going to be, I think, the, the, that retail price of $4,299 is is the recommended retail price, but I've already seen it in stores for under $4,000, so you probably get it for $3,999 if you shop around. So if you want to take a look at that, the Hisense Series 7 85-inch ULED TV, you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can protect you, your family, and your devices online. In a world where you're constantly connected, cyber attacks are more prevalent than ever. From phishing scams and ransomware to online predators and big data tracking your every move, cyber threats have evolved, which is why Norton has too. New Norton 360 gives you next-level protection combining the power of device security and a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. New Norton 360, all-in-one protection for your devices and online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or au.norton.com. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Our Tech Guide reviews this week, we're going to kick off with a smartphone uh, from TCL. This is the first smartphone they've released in Australia, their first attempt at a smartphone. TCL, a company we normally associate with televisions. They're also actually the parent company of Alcatel, another very popular, affordable smartphone brand that is doing really well here in Australia. Well, the Plex is more a mid-tier device. This is a $499 phone. 
and it is a smartphone in every sense of the word. Not only is it smart with some of the latest features, but it also has a great camera system and an excellent design. The device has taken advantage of its uh, of its display technology. TCL, as I said, is a TV manufacturer, and they've brought their TV display technology to the device. It has a 6.53-inch display, which uses the Next Vision TV display technology. So the phone actually has a dedicated display engine. So what you're looking at on the screen, it just looks amazing. It's got this advanced processor, six-axis color enhancement as well. So not only is the screen of great quality, but what you see on the screen is handled very well and displayed nicely to the user. It can also convert SDR standard dynamic range content to HDR, high dynamic range in real time. So imagine enjoying TV light contrast and color enhancement in your hand with this device. Uh, This is having a screen of this quality. You think about how many times you look at your phone and the amount of content we enjoy on our phones, having a, a screen of this caliber is something you're going to be really glad you've got in your hand. It also has the ability to adapt to what you're doing. So you might want reading mode. It actually converts the screen to make it look like an e-reader. It's also got adaptive tone, which can automatically reduce the brightness and color temperatures to suit the lighting conditions. It also, too, has eye comfort mode, which removes 66% of harmful blue light from the screen. So it's really got you covered all along there. And the screen doesn't have a notch. Instead of a notch, it has a dotch. That's a dot notch. It's in the top left corner and it allows a 24 megapixel selfie camera to peek through, by the way. And in that top left corner, you can hardly notice it. I forgot it was there. So you're getting this full screen view with this little dot in the top left hand corner for that 24 megapixel selfie camera. Uh, it, it is a really, really nice little feature. When you, and you, especially when you're getting, you can hardly notice that dotch. And when you've got a screen of that quality, it's very handy. The more of it, the better. Uh, Design-wise, pretty nice device. It's uh, pretty sleek looking. It's got dual-sided glass body and a 3D holographic finish. So when you shine your light light on it, you'll see the photos on Tech Guide on my review, it kind of creates that little rainbow effect whenever you move it around. It's really smart. Now, on the left edge of the phone is a really smart feature It's one of many features that helps the TCL Plex stand out from the crowded mid-tier phone market. What I'm talking about here is a programmable smart key. This is really smart. This is genius, this feature, because it allows you to program little shortcuts. So one with a long press, one with a short press, two presses, three presses, and each can be assigned with a behavior like activating a feature or opening an app. So for example, on mine, I I had one long press, turns on Torch. Uh, Two presses, turns on Google Assistant or the camera, however you want to configure it. It is a really smart way of programming things that you use most often in that little button, the smart key on the side. And I haven't seen anything else like that on a phone. Uh, but what you can also do on the right edge, of course, is the volume controls, the power button, all of that. But one of the the things that makes a smartphone a better smartphone and a, a hallmark of a great smartphone is the camera system. And the TCL Plex has a triple camera system that is that would rival the camera systems you'll see on the flagship devices that are three times as expensive as this phone. So. You're talking uh, the the three the three camera systems made up of a 48 megapixel Sony sensor, a 16 megapixel super wide angle 120 degree view, and a two megapixel low light sensor as well. And throw into the AI as well, so it selects the right mode and really does a good job in enhancing on the fly your images. So your blues and greens are punched up so that it, it almost looks like you've edited the photo simply by taking it. Uh, so it, the, the, the colors look a lot more vibrant and warm and, and it does a great job in optimizing the image so it looks terrific at the press of a button. What you see instantly is a tremendous result. Portrait shots look great. Video shoots good video as well. Uh, one thing we also liked 
was the, uh, the, the ability to look through all three lenses at the same time. So you choose this mode and you can see a view out of all three lenses. So you can kind of see how wide things are, how, how bright they are, whatever you want. At a glance, you can see, okay, I'll, I'm going to go wide here or whatever you want to do. Uh, so you can choose from either of those views by seeing them at the same time. So you're turning on all three cameras at the same time, which is pretty cool. Also has super night mode, as do most flagship phones nowadays, and this can insert an amazing amount of light into otherwise completely dark scenes as well. And look, if you want to get roll your sleeves up and get into pro mode, that's also there. So if you want to get in there and mess around with the ISO and the shutter speed and exposure, you can do all that as well. Uh, but for us, auto mode worked a treat. It did an amazing job performed very well and produced some very, very impressive results, which you can see on our review. Now, uh, under the hood, it's a pretty, pretty respectable Qualcomm Snapdragon 675 processor, 6 gig of RAM, 128 gig of internal storage, and it does have a micro SD card, so you can expand that. The device is running Android 9.0 and uh, has a, a really nice user interface. It doesn't add too much bloatware to the system, it is pretty sleek and light and clean, and the experience overall is pretty interesting. One of the things I liked about it too was the ability for you, like, you know, when you're on an Android device, you've, you've got an app drawer. Sometimes you swipe up from the home screen and there's all your apps, screens and screens of apps. One thing I really like about this phone is the ability for you to choose how to sort your apps. So you can sort by, uh, by category. So it'll put all the social media ones, all the other categories, you know, photography, whatever you want. It'll sort them by category. It'll also sort them by name, so it's alphabetical, uh, by label, by usage, so how the ones you use more often are at the top or the bottom, however you like. But here's my favourite. You can even sort the apps by colour, by the icon colour. So all your all the green icons are together, red, and and that's a really you you might think that's strange, but it's a really fast way of finding your apps. We normally know what color, like Facebook's blue and Instagram's blue, and uh, sorry, Twitter's blue, and and there, there's red is the Qantas app. So it's really easy to just identify by color, which I thought's an interesting uh, an interesting choice for customers if they want to for users if they want to find their stuff. Now, uh, they also, one of, one of the things, one of the only downsides we found was the external speakers were, were pretty thin, not stereo, only sound comes out of the bottom. Not a deal breaker, but lately the phones with built-in speakers have stereo and they sound as good as a Bluetooth speaker. TCL Plex, not so much, but it does have a headphone jack. So if you want a pair, uh, pair of headphones, or of course it's got Bluetooth, so you can hear it through, through wirelessly as well. But yeah, that's probably the only the, the only downside of the product we found. Battery wise, thirty eight hundred and twenty milliamp hour battery, and that absolutely smashed through the day and took us well into the next day. I think we we started with hundred percent at eight am. I think when after five or six pm, we still had thirty five to forty percent in the tank. Which even if you were going to head out for some drinks or some dinner, it would have easily lasted until you got home as well. So very impressive there. It also has fast charging too. So it'll get you to 50% charge after just 32 minutes. So even if you are going out for a big night, plug it in for 32 minutes, you're going to get 50% charge before you go. The TCL Plex priced at $499. bucks, and I've got to say, punches well above its weight here. This is a really nice smartphone. Has a lot of the features you'll find on phones that are three and four times more expensive. It's available now from JB Hi-Fi. And if you want to read my complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Our next review is the Sennheiser Ambio Soundbar. And... I've described it in my review as an absolute beast of a soundbar. Beast in the in the fact that it's big and beast in the fact that it's expensive. This is a $3,995 soundbar that I would say, for those listening right now, would probably cost more than the TV you own right now. So you have to love your audio to make the Ambio worthwhile. And it really delivers on the audio front. Now, size-wise, I told you it's big. 
It's 1.26 metres long, 13.5 centimetres high, and weighs 18.5 kilos. It's massive. So price-wise, we told you, 3995 bucks. Uh, it's certainly more expensive than the TV I used it with. Uh, and this is a big sound bar, so you probably need to take into consideration just how your TV is set up at your place. It's ideal if your TV is mounted on the wall so it can sit well above the sound bar. If your TV is just resting on your on your entertainment unit, the sound bar in front of it may block out the bottom of the television. So you may need to have to mount your TV or maybe put it up a little bit higher somehow so that it's not impinging, it's not intruding on your on the actual image that you're looking at. So uh, worth a look there. As I said, it's big. But it's big for a reason because there are 13 speakers uh, under the hood. And this is not only uh, creates virtual surround sound, it's also Dolby Atmos as well. And it can re- does a great job in any room because you have to put it through a room calibration. Now, how you do this? In the box is a tall microphone that you position in the center of the room, preferably at listening height. So I put it on my on my lounge, and the height of, from the, of the microphone from the lounge to the top of the microphone was about where my ears were going to be anyway. So it performs the calibration in that position and does that by making sounds and calculates the size and shape of the room. You only got to do that once. Once it's got the calibration and it knows your room, the size and everything, then you can put that microphone away and enjoy the ambio. So it needs to do this because it's got to it's going to use the walls and the ceiling to reflect sound. So it really has to know what it's working with to virtually position speakers in your space. And by that I mean yes, the soundbar's at the front of the room, but you're going to be hearing sound as if there are speakers behind you and above you and beside you. That's how good the virtual 3D surround is with this with this soundbar. Uh, and at, look, if you've got sensitive neighbours uh, in terms of sound and noise, this can make a lot of racket if you turn it up. So it's a serious bit of equipment. If, you, uh, if you're right into your audio, you want to enhance that experience with a solution that could potentially save you the trouble of setting up a surround sound speakers in your room. This is in one spot, but it can make you think there is sound coming from behind you, beside you, above you, all around you, uh, and does that with tremendous technology that's under the hood. Uh, Dolby Atmos, we we enjoyed the Dolby Atmos. The the Atmos is available on some 4K movies on disc. Uh, A lot of uh, Netflix content also has Dolby Atmos, as does Apple TV Plus content. So plenty of Atmos content. And the 3D sound really was like dropping down on you and coming around from the sides. We were hearing sounds coming from everywhere. So real powerful. You could hear the power and scale of the audio. uh, And it just took that viewing experience up to a whole new level and really, really enhanced it all, all across the board. And as I said, it's loud. So uh, rather than your neighbours banging on your door telling you to turn it down, take that into account. Tremendous bass too. And what's impressive about that is that normally a soundbar has a separate subwoofer. Not in this case. The Ambio soundbar has a built-in subwoofer. So it's got the, the, the woofers on board and sounds like you've got a separate anyway. But it is all in one unit and uh, really has to be heard to be believed. One of the biggest soundbars we've ever seen and also the most expensive. So it's back to the go big or go home attitude here. Stunning audio, and that's part of that is a result of Ambio's upmix technology. So it can transform stereo or 5.1 audio, audio into an Atmos 3D experience. Can also handle Dolby Vision if you've got a as as a 4K pass through as well, uh, and has a smart control app as well. There's a companion app for both iOS and Android that allows you to adjust the acoustic settings just to suit your taste, which is really nice. And also too, you can use it as a uh, big massive Bluetooth speaker. You can tap uh, if you got if your device has NFC, you simply tap and it'll connect. 
Otherwise, you connect normally through Bluetooth, so imagine how good your music will sound through this as well. But it ain't cheap, but what you're getting, though, is a tremendous result. For $3,995, you could rightfully expect an amazing audio experience, and the Sennheiser Ambio, Sennheiser Ambio really delivers in that department. If you want to check out our full review, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. Right, next up, we're talking the Google Nest Hub Max. Now, we remember last year. Do you remember last year's Home Hub had a 7-inch screen? It was the Google's very first smart speaker with a screen attached. Well, this is a bigger version of that, a bigger and smarter version of that, I should say, and better sound as well. So all across the board, it's looking pretty good. The uh, the device has a 10-inch high-definition display, and that's 1280 by 1280 by 800 pixels, so not quite full HD uh, in in some parts there, Uh, not quite as good quality as other smart display speakers either, but still not a bad result nonetheless. Uh, Has stereo speakers on board, also has a built-in camera, which can be used for video calls and face ID, I'll talk about that in a minute. But design-wise, you're looking at a a very small footprint. That's what I like about it. The base of it is actually quite small and fits in all kinds of spots and is usually designed to be sitting on a desk or a bed, like a side table or a a kitchen counter. It's it's obviously having a display takes the the ability and the versatility of having a smart speaker to another level because not only can it tell you things, it can also show you things as well. So if you're in the kitchen, for example, you might say, uh, you might say, hey, you know what, uh, show me how to cook a curry or to slice a pineapple or dice a pear or whatever you want to do. It can fire up YouTube and all these other instructions. Or you might say, hey, play me uh, the, the, uh, uh, some music or play me a, a video on how to debug my laptop or whatever you want to ask it to play. And it'll fire up YouTube and get you to, uh, give you a choice of videos you can watch. Uh, and, of course, you can ask it all the normal things you would ask your smart speaker, including the weather, what your day is like. And it could also control other smart devices in your home as well. So everything you'd expect from a smart speaker now has a screen attached to it. So it gives you the chance to see stuff as well as hear stuff uh, when you, whenever, you're asking, whenever you're asking Google Assistant. The screen itself, uh, or what I like about it is that it gives you the choice of turning it into a photo frame. Remember the digital photo frames we used to scroll through your images, that that's all it could do? Well, this can do it as well. If you've got Google Photos, you can attach that to the to the device through the Google Home app, and it'll play through various, uh, you might have files or, or different events that you want to file through, and it'll play your, your own photos through the screensaver. Or you can choose your own, uh, not your own, you can choose the built-in screensavers which show you uh, various uh, scenery or uh, space images or whatever you want. There's plenty of choices. So I, I often just am admiring just the images, the beautiful images. Like right now, it is showing me this beautiful sunset image of surf and rocks. It looks amazing. The photographer, amazing photograph. And this these just cycle through however you want. Or I could be looking at my own photographs on the screen as well. Now, I mentioned that it has uh, improved stereo speakers, and so I I, I find that how I use it, and probably how you use it as well, we listen to a lot of stuff. We listen to music and, and stuff like that, so having good speakers is really important, and the Google Nest Hub Max uh, has surprisingly good sound. It's got uh, 18 millimeter tweeters and a 75 millimeter bass driver, so it is an impressive sound. But you know, it's not going to put Sonos and Bose out of business, but it is a respectable sound for what you're paying. It's uh, it's not bad at all. Uh, it is uh, the Nest Hub Max. One thing. People think that having the name Google means that this thing runs Android. That's not the case. This isn't a fancy touchscreen tablet. It's not running Android at all. There is limited things you can do, as a matter of fact, through touch. You can um, check settings and things like that and and 
very little else you can do via touch. So don't think you just sit there and just scroll through YouTube and scroll through the internet. You can't. This is still a device that you need to talk to and interact with it using your voice. So apart from looking at shortcuts and settings, not much else you can do via touch. So for those buying this thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have a spare Google tablet uh, on hand. That's not the case at all. Uh, you won't be able to do that. You'll be able to, you'll have to use your voice to do your searches and all of that as well. Uh, so don't think you're going to kick back and watch Netflix and install all these other streaming apps, not going to happen. You can link your Netflix account and say, hey, play uh, such and such a show on my lounge room TV, and it'll do that if you've set it up properly. But on the device itself, the best things you'll watch is YouTube uh, and maybe some Google Play content on there. But you're not gonna, this isn't another TV you can buy for your home. Now, I mentioned the fact that there's a camera on board, and you may wonder why this thing's called the Google Nest uh, hub Max, so uh, Max Hub. So, it uh, Nest is a company that made security cameras, and the camera in this this device has uh, can be used like a security camera. So, if you've got a position in your home, you can look in on the photo on on through the camera and see what's happening uh, as if it's a security camera. Uh, but one thing, though, you should know is that you do need a Google Nest Aware account. So if you get a subscription to Google Nest Aware, which can cost up to $30 a month, by the way, you can take full advantage of the feature. At the moment, without the subscription, I think you can only, get, you can only look at whatever security footage is uh, only uh, for 24 hours. After that, it disappears. So you want to be able to look at up to 30 or 60 days of, of clips, then you'll need to get that subscription. Um, the, the camera can also be used for uh, video calling, but not how you think. You can only use Google Duo. You and the person you're talking to both have to be talking through Google Duo for this to work. Uh, so it's not, again, don't think it's you can just fire up Messenger or Skype or all the other video calling applications and expect it to work that's not the case the camera though is also useful for face id so face recognition the camera can identify individual users so when it sees me for example it'll switch to my profile and then be ready for all the stuff that i normally do uh, and so like my calendars and my preferences all the whole experience is then is tuned to me but through that face id which is pretty cool the google nest hub max is available now Priced at three hundred and forty nine bucks, a nice update I think for larger screen, better sound, better experience. I think uh, a big improvement. And if you are in the Google Assistant family, if you're in the Google ecosystem, this would make a nice addition without taking up too much room and give you a nice display at the same time. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You upgrade your phone and your tablets and your TVs and your laptops, but what about when was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? Probably been a while. Well, the future is here, Wi-Fi 6. If you watch your shows on services like Netflix or Stan or Apple TV+, Plus, then you need the newest line of high-performance routers from Netgear. It's like giving your streaming the VIP treatment. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 routers give you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. So you get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can do more, stream more simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. So what... What you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you can be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today at netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our friends at Belkin. If you're needing charges or cables, they are the people to speak to. Uh, check them out, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I received a, an email from uh, our mate Oki uh, on Facebook, and he was wondering, he was wanting to buy uh, the new Apple AirPods or a pair of Apple AirPods. And he was saying, look, where I live, there is no there is no Apple store. 
and he was shopping online and, and noticed that they were on Kogan.com, as, as they are on other sites, offering a slight discount. I'm talking 20 bucks off the normal price. And he said, look, if I do this, um, does this mean I'm getting an overseas model? Is there a warranty? Uh, and it's a very good question to ask because a lot of people, and you know, AirPods aside, a lot of people use these sites to buy phones and other devices not knowing that they're actually buying what they call a grey import. That means it's shipped in from another country, same product, looks the same, works the same, but it isn't actually built and designed for Australian use. It's it, it's a, not tested in Australia, not uh, it, it's not optimised for Australian networks in the example of a, of a phone. So, yeah, looks looks good, works good uh, until something goes wrong and then a lot of people discover the hard way that their warranty is not going to be honoured here. Like one person, another reader from a while back bought a Samsung phone through, I think, through Kogan and Something went wrong and says, oh, I'm just going to pop down to the Samsung store and see if they can fix it up. And they looked at the device and said, look, I'm sorry, you've purchased this device. It's actually a grey import and the warranty is not honoured here in Australia. And the person said, what are you, excuse me, it's a Samsung device, don't you cover it? Because, well, it is a Samsung device, but it's not optimised for the Australian market and therefore the Australian warranty you don't have an Australian warranty, so you've got to go back through the retailer, whoever you bought it from, go back that way. So it was quite a long process for this person to return the phone to Kogan or whoever it was. They then had to send it back, test it out. It would be talking weeks before you get a result here. Now, in the case of the AirPods, and my mate Oki, I said, look, for the sake of 20 bucks, I would go to the Apple website, Apple Australia website, and... When you order online, it's free shipping. I said, look, get it shipped to your house. You don't have an Apple store in your town. You can ship it straight to your front door. But for that extra 20 bucks, you're going to get an Australian warranty. You can get customer service and customer satisfaction. So in the event of anything goes wrong, you can send it back or go to go to another Apple store if you happen to be near one in another city and get it sorted out. So just, look, I'm not saying don't buy stuff, grey import, and if you want to save money, then good luck. And if that works out, I'm encouraging that if that works for you. But just be mindful that if it's a grey import and you're expecting a warranty to be honoured at that company's stores here in Australia, you may be disappointed. So keep an eye on that. Do your best. Look, it's worth, as in the case with Oki and his Apple AirPods, I think they were... 249 or whatever it was and uh he was going to save 20 bucks they were going to be 229 for that extra 20 bucks it's worth that that's the payment for peace of mind that you know you're going to get something that's going to be if something goes wrong you're not going to be left left in the uh, alone you're going to be sorted out so just keep that in mind if you are deciding to buy a gray import and and ask the sites too if they are if it is a gray import that should state quite clearly that it is keep that in mind next time you're buying online you're listening to tech guide And that's all we've got time for you this week. Geez, that went fast. Everything we've talked about, though, you can follow at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, either record us a voice bite and we'll play it on here on the show or email us at info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, as we always say, Stay safe and stay connected.